This is the Planning Podcast and I'm Richard Kimblin taking a diversion today from planning and environmental law. We're going to the professions that we work with and the practical routes into those professions. And we're going to start off with Danielle Dawson, Product Development Manager at Aggregate Industries. She is super enthusiastic about apprenticeships as a route in. Let's hear from her first. Danielle, how are you this afternoon? Hello Richard, I'm very wonderful, thank you. It's nice and sunny outside, so lots of vitamin D. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Now, you tell everybody who's listening in why you think I've dragged you onto the planning podcast. How did all this start? So I was very lucky enough to be invited to the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors conference back in April, and I got invited by John Austin, who is Senior Lecturer at the University of Derby Centre for Mineral Products. So I've gone through, through through the waves of being a higher apprentice and studying with the University of Derby through that centre. And I've just literally competed my full honours degree. So I've had a I've had a nearly six years now within the industry while studying simultaneously. Fantastic. And that led you to a job. It did. And a career. Yes. Fantastic. Tell us about it. So I was I was literally employed from the R. It's just like any other job really, but it had apprentice within the title and it was the opportunity to have a, to study for a foundation degree. It was at the time. So obviously I'm going to apply for that when I'm getting paid to do that and I'm having no debt from, from university. So I was employed as a higher apprentice with aggregate industries for three years while studying for my foundation degree. And during this time I was in quality and technical uh, within a concrete factory. And this was a precast concrete factory, which was making big kind of precast elements. So stairs, landings, holocore flooring and motorway barriers. So it wasn't little, little bits of concrete. So when I was 20 years old, stepping into a factory with 200 blokes, making these big hefty pieces of concrete and suddenly I'm responsible for the quality of it was a little bit daunting to begin with. So... <laughs> I, I did that for, for two or three years. And then I was brought into Central Concrete Products with Aggregate Industries as an assistant technical manager. So when I finished my higher apprentice, I would have been 23 at the time. So promoted to assistant technical manager, looking after various factories and the, the, the technical aspects of them. So mixed designs, making sure they conform into standards. So that I did that for two years. During that time, I also was funded to do a top up for the full degree, again, with the University of Derby, and this was in minerals management. So this was more the intricacies of a business, so financial resources, HR, basically how to survive within business land. So that that took another two years again, whilst going through a career, which was difficult at the best of times. So with, with the apprenticeship, you legally had to be given a day a week to study with the top up you wasn't so it was a full-time job navigating progression progressing through a career while studying and it was intense but it was so relevant to what I was doing in the workplace so it was really nice to to literally be learning something within the classroom or on, on the computer doing my assignments and then I can literally transfer that straight away to um to, to real life so it keeps everything nice and fresh as well. So I've recently just finished that. It makes it real, doesn't it? Yeah. One real thing translates to the academic and the academic translates to the real. Absolutely. And when I know when I came to the conference, I, I said I, I did go to university um, straight out of college when I was 18. I dropped out after a week because I honestly could not bear the thought of sitting in a classroom thinking, am I ever going to use this? 
honestly, I just really wanted to buy a car and get out. <laughs> so I needed money. <laughs> I, I think I just outgrew the kind of traditional methods of studying at that point, And I just kind of wanted to, to get on. So the, the trajectory was starting off with a, an academic degree, rapidly realising this isn't me, not least because it's bleeding me dry and I can't can't afford a car and that's that's essential to my life whereas it was when you, it is when you're 18 <laughs> it is when you <laughs> and and that then led you to the apprenticeship approach which ticked all of the boxes because you had teaching experience and cash oh absolutely and when you when you're 20 years old with a good salary it's it's fantastic life <laughs> How has that worked out? Because you've now got a degree and a job. Is it working? Absolutely. So once I finished my degree, my dissertation itself was very heavily based within circularity and low carbon offers of concrete. And this kind of demonstrated to the business, and I think it showed the business where I was wanting to go. I'm very passionate when it comes to sustainability. Again, resonates so much with, with the younger generation. And we just want to make a difference so directly from doing that degree that honors sharing my dissertation it led to me being promoted into a product development manager role so where i my job is to be looking into these new innovations and new technologies so we can reduce embodied carbon and at the age of 26 to say that you're pretty much in a dream role already it's it's unbelievable it's almost like wow if, if i'm if i can make this impact at this age where will I be in five years' time? That's fantastic. Tell us a bit more about it. The people who are listening in will be keen to know about sustainable building and what you're doing to address embedded carbon. So just a bit of background on, on where I am then. So I'm in concrete products for aggregate industries. We produce flag and curb, pavers, building blocks, kind of these smaller precast elements cement which goes into concrete on the face of it is a, is a problem it is 80 percent of the total embodied carbon of that concrete unit so it's quite easy to see where where my focus is and there's already so many different methods that of using different supplementary cementitious materials where we can we can reduce our, our carbon which is all within spec within standard that's fine but they don't go far enough we want to make a real difference and really kind of challenge the norms of these supplementary cementitious materials. There's not going to be a silver bullet, don't get me wrong. We're not going to find this alternative to cement, which is suddenly going to be it and that's it done. Not a chance. It's going to be a combination of different innovations and technologies, which is why it's so exciting because connecting so much with different other foundation industries, utilizing potentially their waste. I speak with startups, exploring their technologies, see if we could potentially upscale them. Also, I've got close links with our innovation center, which obviously Aggregate Industries is a member of Wholesome. So we have access to their innovation center in France, in Lyon, which I'm actually visiting in a few weeks again. Fantastic. It's so nice as well to connect with these type of people and collaborate, which I think is another thing that the industry has really lacked in the, well, forever <laughs> and especially like with academia so it's really nice to find like-minded people as well because i can i can use my expertise of um, like practicalities concrete technology of scaling up within the factory but then i can bring in these new novel ideas and and help these other people and discover how we can scale it up to, to make a, a meaning a meaningful difference a meaningful difference 
Wow. See, I can't go into all the weird and wacky stuff that I am looking into, but it is cool. <laughs> no, but a, a cool, meaningful difference uh, shortly after having graduated at age 26. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And key to that for you really was the opportunity to do study which had with it, as you put it, the word apprenticeship attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the, the, the apprenticeship itself, it was it was driven on to us to explore and, and to do our own learning as well. So I wasn't, yes, I was based within within a precast factory and that was my normal day-to-day -day role. But the business encouraged that we get out and see other parts of the business, basically. So a lot of my second year in the apprenticeship, I was going around different quarries, spending time there, went to our cement plant, went to ready mix plants, uh, went to asphalt plants, which just explored every division that we've got. And that was also as well for us to see if there's anything in particular we fancied. So although we were placed and had a base and this is what we were doing then, if we didn't enjoy that, there was also the opportunity to move into a different division and, and start maybe a secondment. I was never too bothered about that, but it's nice that the opportunities were there because I found even just learning, say, the concrete technology side of things with the university, having that understanding of what the whole industry and the whole business does it all kind of mingles together and you get a bit more appreciation so for example I'm, I'm taking aggregates from one of our quarries i'm taking cement from our cement plant it's building a network already and you don't realize at the time you just think you're going there to to have a little look around and, and learn but i still speak to a lot of those people who i met just from having a visit at their site and it's funny because there's there's one there's one lady who actually mentored me very briefly in my first year and I've just recently connected with her again, and who's also looking on the innovation side of things, but she's now based in Switzerland. So it's just, it, it's amazing well, how... another visit, which you have to line up. Yeah, so it's not, it's not just the academia side that, that was a huge benefit. It, it was the whole experience of it. You, you're gaining real life experience, working in a real job, understanding and more seeing how a business works, because you might not quite connect how. Yeah or understand why, Absolutely. but you can see that the mechanics of it. When, when I first started, when I was 20, I am a completely different person to, to what I was. I would just, sometimes, honestly, Richard, I look back two or three years ago and I just think, my goodness, how, how far have I come? Just not even professionally, but individually as well. You, you kind of find yourself and you find your place in the world and, and you discover your passions. And you, you say that two or three years can make that enormous difference both in the way that you interact professionally and also the way in which you you get yourself on this trajectory personally where you develop uh, and the two no doubt go together yeah absolutely it's <laughs> it, it's, it's honestly a bit strange because <laughs> you think i've been in the, i've been in the business for six years now that's that's not even my time from secondary school to college. Yeah, it, it's just such a short amount of time. Yeah, and I don't know if that's just something about getting older as well. Well, um, it's not that many steps to managing director, is it, Danielle? So um, <laughs> just keep 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 focusing on keep focusing on that. <laughs> I found that absolutely fascinating to understand how those things can be linked up and it, the way in which it's obviously benefited everybody, not least because the industry has got you as a result. It's amazing. Thank you very much. I think as well, it's, it's the nurture side as well. Okay. Tell me about the nurture side. So I don't want to gush too much, but aggregate industries have been absolutely fantastic to support me. 
uh, the way they have. I don't think every business is, is like that. You genuinely feel part of a team and cared about. I don't feel like I'm just a number. Yeah. yeah. So obviously they funded and had a lot of faith in me. They put me on this journey. Um, they probably spent quite a bit of money with with university fees and letting me go out on these visits. And so it, it, it's it's nice to see that there's that there's that care about the employees and engagement. Yeah, and uh, no doubt that it's appreciated that that will ultimately pay back. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much indeed for contributing that experience and capturing it so brilliantly and succinctly. People will really appreciate that. Thank you very much, Danielle. No, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's been a it's been a pleasure to to kind of expand on my on my journey. No, it was great. We'll have to uh, come and visit you again shortly before your managing director. Oh dear, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Next, we were really fortunate to speak to Lisa Newland, who is Central Bedfordshire's Academy and Enabling Team Planning Manager. She has a really good insight into how apprenticeships have helped her authority and helped those who have got into the profession that way, both with that authority and also onwards to elsewhere in the profession. Let's hear now from Lisa. Hello and good afternoon to you, Lisa. How are you doing? Yes, I'm good, thank you. And you? Really good, really good. Now, tell us a bit about yourself. Which authority are you with and what's your role? Um, so I'm at Central Beverage Council and I'm the Place Academy Manager. And I'm responsible for bringing in trainees um, in different disciplines. We've recently rebranded our academy from the Planning Academy to the Place Academy because we're now focusing on areas as well as planning, other areas that kind of feed into planning. Um, so I bring the trainees in, give them a training programme and then kind of help them on their career journey to more senior roles. Wow, what a fulfilling job. <laughs> it's good, it is good. It kind of um, brings you back to the basics of planning and kind of why you became a planner. I was talking to my head of service the other day, and I think as you go through planning, the more you move up the, the kind of the grades, the less actual planning work you do. And this role actually kind of brings me back into doing the kind of day-to-day -day planning and help other people to kind of learn those ropes. Helping other people learn those ropes. Absolutely. And you're, and you're putting into the planning system people who you've had the opportunity to give them a push in the right direction and you're you're seeing them prosper and flourish yes yeah. I think um one of our kind of ambitions when we set up the academy was obviously to grow our own skills as with a lot of local authorities we were struggling to recruit particularly in more senior roles and basically there's obviously a, a narrow pool of planners out there and uh, we all know that with local authorities they tend to move around and it's kind of quite a close-knit area so basically what we wanted to do was to bring in our own skilled resource train them up and hopefully get to the point where they could take on those senior roles that we didn't need to go out for external recruitment but we kind of tried to take on quite a number of trainees when we do it each year so the first cohort we took on in 2018 we took on five and the reason for that is partly because we know we'll probably lose a few people along the way attracted to either private sector or other local authorities but kind of then with the acknowledgement that actually we're feeding people into the talent pipeline. And if they've had a good experience with us, they can hopefully come back at a later stage. OK, so 2018-5, do I pick up from that that it's that it's grown from there or has it stayed at five? Yeah, so I mean, each year we probably take on 
between two and five trainees. Uh, we've taken on a cohort every year. We've just gone out for recruitment for our cohort for this year. And we've had over 60 applicants and we've shortlisted, I think, 18 to come for an assessment day with the hope to fill four roles that we've got this year. So we've got three in development management and one in our local policy team. And how does apprenticeship differ from other routes in or is it really just the same? So the apprenticeship for us has really worked because obviously as a council, we can use the apprenticeship levy. Um, which means that there's less pressure on ever squeezed training budgets. And basically, we can also offer it to a more diverse workforce. So we have two at the moment in our team that have come through our customer operations team. They did the level three technician course um, and have now progressed to do the the full apprenticeship. So they've gone in entry point one, which is a five year course, but it gives them a degree and the master's at the end of it. And so... Five years, you get a degree and the work experience. How does it work out in terms of weeks working or days per week working? How how does it split? So basically they do, it sounds like prison, but you have a day release. <laughs> so they have, one, they have one day off a week where they go to university or to do their university studies. That carries on throughout the year as well. So we know that we have them for four days a week and therefore they kind of learn on the job the skills that you need to kind of do the actual day job and it's really beneficial I think when they come out at the end of that they have the formal qualification they are kind of supported through to full membership of the RTPI and that way they kind of then become chartered as well and they have the experience to back that up so they can then take on more senior roles quite quickly compared to if you've potentially done a full-time master's and then haven't got the experience with that to then go into a role you'll tend to go into a trainee role having just had the master's whereas now they're kind of being supported and potentially doing planning officer roles senior roles by the time time they finish their qualification so practical skills being able to form judgments and understanding systems and processes in a way which aren't academic yes it's partly i suppose what the real real world of planning is really i mean we all we all kind of need to know the legislation and kind of the theories and policy behind it But at the end of the day, kind of learning the skills in how to actually deal with a planning application or how to work through a local plan policy is kind of really good to have alongside that. So you can actually be quite efficient and effective in the role. We also cover skills in-house around like working for a local authority, such as I think you talked about customer service, time management, and in particular sort of working with members and the skills you need alongside those as a local authority planner. And What's your impression of the users of your academy in terms of their experience? Are they positive? Do they think, actually, I wish I'd gone for the degree and had more time in the bar? No, I think most of them are positive. Obviously, they don't rack up any debt that comes with a university degree. They're fully supported through us and they can earn while they're learning. But as I say, I think the side that they value as well is getting the experience alongside the qualifications so that at the end they're kind of further up on their peers than where they would have been if they'd have just gone in and done a straightforward degree or a master's without the support of a local authority to gain experience. So you're you're kind of five years or so in. How many have you got in your team that you've homegrown? Over the five years, we've taken on over 30 trainees. Wow. We've lost a few along the way, but we've also promoted a few within the service area. So we've now got some of the original cohort are now senior planners and moving into principal roles. They've also taken on other roles within the council. So they've 
there's a couple have gone for like one's gone to a neighborhood planning officer another one has gone into the local plans team so they've moved around because what we do as well is we give them placements in all areas of planning so they do placements in enforcement they get to learn about minerals and waste and they also go to local policy um, and kind of get to understand all the different aspects that feed into planning. But you don't really think of those who've moved elsewhere as as lost. You think of them as sort of valuable exports and uh, ambassadors. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I'd like to think that each of them have had a good experience with us. They've got good grounding in planning. And we're always happy to see when people have got promotions, even if it is elsewhere, because it shows that they've got the skills necessary to be a good planner. And as I said before, hopefully, if we ever need to advertise at a senior level, hopefully we'll get them back at some point having realised that they've obviously had a good experience with us. But even if they don't, then as I said before, it's feeding into that talent pipeline generally for more local authorities to have a choice of planners. And standing back a bit, the principle must be that if other authorities in addition to yours and parts of the private sector that, that are running apprenticeship schemes are all doing this, then the sum, the totality of the contribution, makes it better for everybody as people move around and one overcomes the resource problem which which really afflicts the, the planning sector. Generally, yeah. I mean, hopefully, if everybody kind of follows this kind of route or kind of uses a similar route, then hopefully it will increase the pool of planners that's available for everyone to use. Not all authorities could probably have the dedicated resource that we have. So as I say, I'm the kind of the manager that does a lot of the work in terms of the training programs. But in my team, I also have two principals who then line manage some of the trainees when they come in. And we have mentoring support that we give each trainee when they come in. Some of the smaller local authorities may not be able to achieve that, which is why we are also setting up sort of offers to other local authorities to help support them in establishing a similar approach, either through training or kind of learning lessons from what we've done. So that's knowledge sharing and exporting the experience uh, elsewhere as well. Okay, got it. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think that this will mean the end of the traditional routine, academic followed by first post as perhaps a a local authority planner? I don't think so. I think there'll still be a place for it. Um, I mean, part of the recruitment that we had, we had a lot of students that have done the masters that obviously now want the experience. So they're looking for those trainee roles. So there is kind of, I think basically all it does is hopefully increase the diversity and gives different pathways in that weren't previously there. So if you're not someone that straight from A-levels thinks, oh, I really want to do a degree, it gives you an opportunity to still have that career, but without having to go down the degree route. And I think it kind of is beneficial for everyone. It gives them the opportunity to learn while they earn. And also, as I say, kind of just broadens the pathways into planning. Tell me a bit more about the diversity angle. Why, Why do you think that's beneficial? I think it's really good because obviously, previously, employers put a lot on people being graduates coming in. But not everyone's that minded. So people may kind of come from a come from an A levels perspective, and they just kind of want to have a break from learning potentially. But also they want exposure to that workplace, and it kind of just increases a mix. So I think we talked before about sometimes planning becomes more of an aging profession where people have been in it for a while, um, and you're not replenishing the younger people at the end. So I think sometimes bringing in some fresh perspective into how things are done and people challenging the, the traditional ways of working, everyone's moving towards more digital approaches. So bringing in people that kind of have that kind of influence and also kind of know what's out there is really kind of challenging some of the ways that we think and how you might be able to improve it. 
but also it's opened up opportunities for people returning to careers as well. So we've had a few people along the way that have had previous careers and or previous jobs and now want a career. Maybe they've they're kind of returning after having children or just want a career change and it supports them in that approach too. So you get out of it diversity in people's approaches and thinking, so the cognitive diversity is improved, but you also, in fact, in addition to feeding in more people to the profession from their early 20s, you're also performing a role in, in terms of retention yeah. by bringing back in people who, using your word lost, who probably would be lost if there wasn't that route back in. Yeah, I think so. And also, I mean, for those that want in a career change or have been a mum or a dad and kind of come back into the workplace after having children, they probably can't afford to just go straight in to have a degree. They have responsibilities, they have houses, mortgages, that kind of thing. And the opportunity to still go into a career and have the opportunity to learn gives them, whilst earning, gives them that opportunity to do something they would never have been able to do before. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. So you're a fan? Yes, definitely. I'm an advocate for it all the way along. I'd sing its praises the whole day. <laughs> well, Lisa, you've been so kind to share that experience. I rather suspect that it will inspire others to pursue their own apprenticeship schemes. And you may find that you've got more opportunities to export your expertise as a result, because I hope so. Yes, that'd be good. I mean, if anyone needs any advice, then please get in touch and say, oh, we've got a web page set up on our council website that kind of tells you all about the Place Academy and what we can offer. Lisa, thank you very much indeed. I'll let you get back to your afternoon, but it's been lovely to meet you. Thank you very much. Thank you, you too. That was the planning podcast from Number 5 Chambers. We'll be back in the autumn, looking at some of the case law which has emerged in something of an avalanche as the judges go on holiday. Lots of cases to come back to in the autumn, but we're not going to trouble you with them now. In the meantime, we wish you the very best of summers. Enjoy, relax, see you in the autumn. Goodbye.